1 Kings chapter 19. I, I, I went through this. I said, man, that, that's, a, that's, that's a good thought. And then I said, wait a minute. I might have preached on this before. <laughs> and a four of that. And a four time for that. And a four time for that. <laughs> I have preached on 1 Kings chapter 19 a lot of times. But I want to make sure I'm not repeating the message that I preached before. Uh, and it's not. It's, it's something totally different. I, I love God's Word. You can read it and, and get something out of it uh, this time and come back in another uh, week or so or a year or so and, uh, and read it and, and get something else totally out of it. And what, what we've been going through and what we're going through in our country, I, I, I looked at this in a different way and I said, well, Lord, that, that, that's something we may need to hear tonight, today. And uh, I, I pray that it give you a, a blessing to your heart this morning. Uh, let us stand, chapter 19, beginning in verse number 2. You know the story. Uh, we've read it before, we preached on it before. You know the story. You've heard, if you've been in church, you've heard in Sunday school, you, you know this story over and over. I, I preached a series on uh, the men of the Bible, and, and uh, Elijah was one of them. And beginning verse number 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the one life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But him, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down upon the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. He's given up. He says, I've had enough. It is enough, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not no better than my father's. And as he laid and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water of his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Mark that down. Because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drank and went in the strength of that meal. Now get that. He went in the strength of that meal 40 days, 40 nights, unto Herb the mount of God. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, thanking for your mercy and grace and love, Lord. We pray that, uh, Lord, you just open our hearts this morning, Lord, empty me of self and, the, and fill me with thy spirit that I may see the words that needs to be heard this morning. Lord, I pray that you open our, all our hearts, Lord, to receive the message to stand in need of. And Father, we'll give you praise and glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. I, I want to preach out of that last phrase in verse number seven. The Lord said, and the journey is too great for thee. I, I like to preach to your heart this morning, having a joy in the journey. Here in our text, we find one of the great, all-time great men of the Scripture that has come and focused in this few chapters. He steps and focuses on the scene in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, but he will not step off the scene until the Bible, until the very last way in the last book, in the book of Revelations. This man will, it will be a key central Bible figure from 1 Kings 17 all the way to the end of the Bible. He is one of 
God's great, if I could say it that way this morning. You, you say, preacher, what makes this man great? What makes this guy so great? Well, one thing that makes him so great is the, that uh, God empowered him to do some things. Uh, this guy prays, and God lock, locks up the heavens for three and a half years. No rain, no dew, no nothing. And then he prays again, and God unlocks the blessings from heaven, and they rain down. And then God said, what a blessing. He, he, he laid on dead people and brings them back to life. And this guy is so great that when it comes time for him to leave this world, he doesn't leave like a normal person. When it comes time for him to leave this world, God sends down the royal limousine to pick this guy up. The chariots of fire. So he's so great that when Jesus is on the scene and Jesus is preaching, uh, they mistake Jesus for this man and said, Hey, uh, we've heard the, that message. Uh, you sound like somebody else. Uh, you sound like Isaiah. You talk like Isaiah. You, you preach like Isaiah. They, uh, they, uh, they confused him with Jesus this morning. And he'll be so great that he'll show up one more time towards the end. I'm just saying this man is an awesome guy. Just saying he's an awesome guy. Would you agree with him this morning that he's an awesome guy? I'm just saying a man of this caliber, if a man of this kind of power, if a man of this kind of Bible power and prestige with God can wind up in a place he's ready to throw in the towel. He absolutely has no joy serving God, uh, has no joy in his ministry. He has had it up to here. He's fed up. He just wants to quit. I I'm saying if a man of that caliber, if it can happen to a man like Elijah, there's not one Christian in this building this morning that it cannot happen to. We can find ourselves like Elijah in 1 Kings 19. I, I realize we're in church and nobody likes to be honest in church. We all put our best on when we come to church. Uh, we dress up and we bring our Bibles uh, and, and, and we have this facade of the truth in our life that everything's fine, everything's going good. But I'm going to tell you, there's been times in my ministry, there's been times in my walk with God that I felt just like Elijah. God, I did not sign up for this. This is not what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be something great with power. Rain will fall from heaven. But now, God, they're talking about me. They want to kill me. Now I'm hiding out in the wilderness. This is not what I thought it should be, God. And I don't know if you're uh, more spiritual than I am. I have been in that place with Elijah. I, I've told God uh, I'm giving up. I've told God I'm fed up. I've told God it's enough. I don't want to go back there no more. But there's a fire burning inside of me. 
to not let me shut up. It is possible to get there. And I will say this. It's amazing that put Elijah, that, was in, that he stopped relying on the fact and the faith of God. He stopped relying on his feelings and his emotions this morning. Uh, he, he, they're having a heyday in his life. He, he doesn't rely on God. He's not relying on the fact of God. He's not relying on his faith. But he's relying on his feelings and what he's heard and what's been said. There will come some times in the future you ain't going to feel like serving God. Amen. You ain't going to feel like shouting and raising your hands saying amen. You ain't going to feel like reading the Bible. You ain't going to feel like coming to church. May I say in times like that, uh, when you do start feeling, I, I don't feel like I want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it. Don't rely on your feelings and emotion, but go to the faith of the Word of God and put your promise in what He has said to you. Just what God has already said. Rely on what God has said. Anybody know what a hood is called? A hood. If in pilot training, they, they will place what is called a hood on your helmet. And it, it sticks out like that, like that. And it's all you can see is out there. That's all you can see. In other words, they're trying to get you to uh, not see over the horizon. They don't want you to see the horizon, but they're trying to get you to rely on what your instruments are telling you. And, and so they put this hood on you, and they'll tell you to close your eyes, and what the uh, instructor would do, he, he would put the plane in some type of motion, and then he says, open your eyes and correct it, and you can't see. See, so saying what you is don't don't realize on what your feelings are saying. You you may feel like you're banking to the left and down. In other words, you might be banking up and up. And and he says, don't rely on what you feel. Just rely on exactly what you see at the instrument. Say, can I tell you this morning? You've got one of the greatest instruments in your life that you can take and look at, and you can say, Lord, you promised me this. I'm going to take this, and I'm going to rely on this. I'm stop relying on my feelings and walking by my emotions I'm just going to rely on what God has already said this morning stop relying on your feelings this morning or you're going to wind up on a roller coaster Christian life up and down up and down start relying on what the instrument has told you what the word of God has told you joy for the journey he feels his feelings are going crazy. He feels the faint in the text. The Bible said he was tried. He laid down to sleep. He feels forsaken in the text. He tells God that he's the only one left. Have you ever said that, Lord? I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And they seek to kill me. He feels like he's a failure. In the text, he said, God, let me die. I'm no better than my father's. In actuality, he is better than his father's. 
He is not a failure. He just, he just walked up into a, a top of Mount Carmel and he uh, called down the fire from heaven and wiped out 300 uh, false prophets of Baal. Write this down this morning. Write it down. Many times at your biggest victory, many times at your biggest victory, you're going to have your biggest valley. Elijah just called fire from heaven. He, he, was on, he, had, he was riding high on a victory. One chapter later, he's running for his life. He's scared. He's afraid. I'm a failure. Our Lord, just go ahead and get rid of me. Kill me. Get it over. Look how high he was. Now look how low he's gone. I believe that God is going to give Elijah something in this text that's going to give him some joy for his journey. You say, what do you, why do you believe that? Because he never winds up in the same place again. When you read Elijah's life, when you read, you get to chapter 19, he is going to take him all the way to the chariot ride. What he got in chapter 19 took him all the way to the very end of his life. It took him into the glory world. What does he get in the text? The same thing that I believe that you and I can have this morning, that we can have some joy in our journey this morning. Let me just say this. There are many times I've been weary in the way, but I've never been weary of the way. There have been times I felt like a failure, but I'm glad God has never failed me. There's a God in heaven that continues to give joy in the midst of your journey. And this world needs to see some Christians today that doesn't have a poked out lip, frowned up face, and just get mad about what's going on in life. The, the world needs to see some Christians today that's got joy, legitimate joy for serving God, walking with God. It may not look like things are going like It may be in a storm. You may be down in the valley, but the world needs to see that you've got joy in your life this morning. Mm. I'm glad I have a Bible. I'm glad I get to preach. This is the greatest life on earth, being called a Christian. We're saved. We're in the family of God. We're going to heaven. They sing about it. It's a good life. It's a good ride. And you can have joy in the journey this morning. What gives him joy in his journey? Let me give you a few things. May it help you in your journey. Maybe it'll get you, maybe you're sitting here and you, you're about like Elijah. said, Lord, I, I've had enough. I'm about ready to give up. I'm about ready to throw my towel in. I don't want to have nothing to do with church. I've said that. I've locked myself in the bedroom, crawled in the corner, and said, Lord, I, I don't want no part of this. I found out that Christian people can be some of the meanest people in the world. <laughs> they can stab you in the back and laugh at you and smile in your front of your face, and, but boy, turn you turn your back, they're stabbing you. 
I got that place like Elijah. Lord, uh, this is not what I signed up for. I, I see what goes on in the world. This is not what I signed up for. I had gotten in the place just like Elijah. So what did Elijah get to help him in his journey to the very end? Until that royal chariot came from heaven and picked him up and swooped him back to glory world. What did Elijah get in chapter 19 that made it all the way to the end? Let me just say this. Maybe it's the day is the day that you're going to receive something that's going to push you over the hill. Say, Lord, I, I, I may be weary in the way, but I'm not weary of the way. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep witnessing people. Let me just say, he got something that gave him the ability to have joy. In his journey. You here this morning, you, you don't have joy. <laughs> Let me give you something that's going to give you joy. First, he realized he had a course that was mapped out. The Bible said in verse number 7, the angel of the Lord touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Journey, as far as Elijah knows, he ain't on no journey. As far as Elijah knows, he has simply walked out into the wilderness and wants to die. As far as Elijah knows, God doesn't know where I'm at. I'm all by myself. Nobody can see me. As far as Elijah knows, he don't know where he's at, and he thinks God doesn't know where he's at. All he knows is I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm fed up. All he knows, he's walking around out here, with nobody directing his life, nobody directing his path. No goals, no aims in life. But you hear me? This God shows up. So Elijah, you're not just walking around by yourself. You're not alone out here. You're not just rambling on out here. There is somebody in heaven that has got GPS, God positional system locked in on you. He, he knows exactly where you're at. I know where you are. As a matter of fact, in the chapter, God to, knows where he's going. He tells him, I want you to go to anoint Hazel. Go anoint Jehu. Go anoint Elijah. He, God got his life planned out. Got him mapped out. He knows where he's going. God knows where he's going. He may not know where he's going. You may be sitting here this morning. You say, I, I, I'm confused. I, I don't know what direction. I don't know what path I'm taking. I, I'm just over here. I'm wandering around. Let me just say, won't you just get out God's GPS system and ask God, what direction do I need to take? God's already got his course mapped out. Can I say this? Ain't it good? Ain't it a blessing to know something that God has helped you? That when you pillow your head tonight, that if you're a child of God, you're not walking around in this messed up world by yourself. You're not without hope. Without a gold, there's a God that sits upon the throne. 
And he has a course for your life that's already mapped out. You say, how in the world do I know what course that God wants me? You just need to ask God. Elijah never asked God what direction you want me. Elijah just got fed up. Elijah just laid down and said, Lord, just kill me. I'm tired of these people. They want to kill me. You just go ahead and do it and get it over for them. He, he, he don't have a course mapped out for his life. But God said, I got one. I'm not walking around on my own, doing my own thing. There's a God in glory world, and he knows the way that I take, the Bible says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Though he fell, he shall not utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young now and old, yet I have seen the righteous forsaken, nor seen his seed beg for bread. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not on thy own understanding, and he shall direct thy path. You want to know what direction you need to be going in? You need to find God. You need to get a hold of God. God has already got a map planned out for your life. He's got a map planned out for my life. You just need to say, Lord, here I am. Show me the path. Show me the path that I need to go. There's been many times I walked alone in the ministry. And I thought, God, I'm walking by myself. And God, I don't know what's going on, but I've got down a road a little ways and I turn around and look back and I can see where God had intervened and God had directed. God had touched. God had, I'm telling you, you're not alone on this road. You're not alone in the path that God has directed your life. There's an unseen hand of God moving you alone and if you let God lead you and let God push you the way that God wants you to go, God will get you in the right direction in the right path. There's joy in the journey this morning when you know that your path is marked out by God this morning. I just love that. I do. I love to know that God is directing my path. I am so glad that when God writes the script for me, it's a whole lot better than I can write the script for myself. Amen. There's joy for the journey. I read a story. Mississippi River, cargo ship was going up river. Some passengers got on to ride up with them. And, and they started out and was good, but all of a sudden a dense fog rolled in. And they're on the deck, and they couldn't see the front of the ship. They couldn't even see the bow. It was so dense. They could hear ships passing by on the side. And they said, hey, uh, Captain, you need to slow it down. And instead of Captain slowing down, they said he reared the engine up, and they just went faster. They, they were afraid. They were scared for their life because they knew, I, I can't see anything out there. I don't know what direction. We're we liable to uh, sink and, or run up on ground. Or we may even hit another ship. I can't see nothing. So they found the first mate. So look here. You need to go up there and tell your captain wherever he's at. He needs to slow this ship down. I'm afraid. He said, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. I, I'm afraid. I, I can't see nothing. And we're all afraid. Uh, you need to tell him to slow this thing down. First mate said, let me tell you all something. See, see that tower over in the middle of the ship? Look how it goes up. See how it disappears in the fog? Yeah. 
So you know what's on top of that tower? That's what? That's the control center. And you know what's in the control center? So what? That's the captain. And he said, you can rest assured if the captain has got the engine going, he can see over the fog. He can see where he's going. It may be dark, dark to you. It may be dense fog to roll in your life. You don't know which way to go. Let me just say this. Get a hold of God and let God direct your path. God knows the way that you go. God knows the direction you need to go in. Don't rely on feelings. You know why there are so many broken down Christians? They've gotten under a load. Gotten under a load. He, he, he received, he, he got his life mapped out. It was planned out for him. He received some heavenly meal. Look at verse number five. And as he laid and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid himself down again. And the angel of the Lord came again and second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Can I say this? There ain't nothing that a good meal and a nap can't cure. I mean, you take, you get you a good meal, get you one of them home cooked meals, and lay down, and take a nap. You get up refreshed. You feel a new, amen. I'll tell you what helped Elijah. He received comfort from a heavenly meal. You say, preacher, how in the world do you know this is a heavenly meal? Because the angel cooked it. Bible said the angel cooked it. I figured if an angel cooked the meal, it didn't come from this world. It came from another world. And also how I know because when he ate this meal, he went on the strength of this meal for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I, 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 I love my wife's cooking. I love it. She brought me in 48 years ago. I, I love my wife's cooking. I've had some good meals. Now, I love the church cooking, too. We've had some good meals here at church, too. And, and when she cooks them, I, I sit down and I eat that thing. But let me tell you what, I ain't never ate one of her meals that lasts me for 40 days and 40 nights. It ain't too long after eating one meal about six hours and eight hours later. I, I'm ready to have another good meal. Amen. So, so he got this meal, the heavenly meal, that gave him the strength for the journey for 40 days and 40 nights. You know what that is? That's something off the heaven's table. That's, that's something God gives you this morning. You say, preacher, what will give me some joy for my journey? How can I hate, keep joy for my journey? When everything out of control is out of control, you need to eat more of God's heavenly groceries. You need to get a hold of this. Bible says that, that this is the word, it's, it's bread, it's honey, it's everything that we need. It's milk. It's water. It's everything the Christian needs to survive in this world right now. Do you know what will help you to have joy in your journey? Come to church and have fellowship. 
It will feed your soul this morning. It will help you to go out there and live another day and walk another mile. The reason we have so many mad Christians ready to give up is because they're getting filled up on... I don't know if y'all were young like me. I was a mean little boy. I would eat, come home from school, and I had to come home by myself. Mom and Dad had gone to work. I'd come home by myself. I'd come in, I'd go through the pantries to find something to eat. Cookies, pickles, anything I'd get my hands on. I'd fill up. Mama come in, she's sitting over the stove, sweating hot, sweating, and blaze out a good old meal, pendo beans, baked potatoes, and, and all that chicken and all that stuff laying there, and all I'm doing is, I ain't ready to eat it. I'm not hungry. She looked at me, what'd you do? Get in the cookie jar? You know the reason why we got so many mad, fed up Christians that are trying to quit the day is because they're getting fed up on the things of the world, the junk of the world, and it just fills our minds. We got Twitter, we got this, we got social media, we got this. We're getting so filled up on the things of the world that we ain't got time to get to God's table and eat what God has gotten for you this morning. Joy. For the journey this morning. Do you got joy this morning? Or are you just filled up on the things of the world? Amen. Come to the house of God. You can get filled up on the things that God gives you. People come to the house of God don't get a thing out of what the preacher says because they're so full of the garbage of the world. They've lost their appetite for the Word of God. No wonder they don't have no joy in their walk. No wonder they have joy in their journey. You get joy from what God is giving out this morning. I, I love this in the text. Don't, don't miss this. He doesn't just feed him one time. But he feeds him twice. Well, that's good to get two meals at one time. That's good. But you know why he fed this preacher two times? Because he knew the length and the load of the journey necessitated more intake. He knew that the journey was going to be too tough. He needed more food, not less food. You know what we're uh, doing in, in a truck, driving a truck without a load? You get better gas mileage. But as soon as you put a load on that truck, you can also see the, the torch and the torque and the, the uh, pressure of that load is weighing that truck down and you have to stop a lot more times and fill up because the load is pressing down. That's why we've got so many broken down Christians. They get under a load of the world. The flesh, the devil throws things on them. They don't take in more of what God has got. They take in less of what God's got. They take in more of the world. The world throws all this stuff at you. We don't need less church. We need more church. We don't need less preaching. We need more preaching. We don't need less Bible. We need more Bible. 
We're going to keep a journey and joy in our journey. This morning, do you know what God loves the local church this morning? Most of the New Testament talks about the church this morning. God loves the church. God knows people need the church. God knows people need preaching. God knows you need fellowship and a ministry. And listen, if God knows it, listen to this. <laughs> what we've gone through in the last year and a half, if God knows that we need more church, more preaching, and more Bible, if God knows that, you know who else knows that? The devil knows it. Now, I, I don't understand it, but all of a sudden last year we had to shut down. I don't know what brought it on. It might have been a virus brought it on. I don't know. It might have been something else. But I know that churches shut down, shut the doors. And you couldn't fellowship. And a lot of people went online. That's, you can get the word out. We've done it a couple of times, Zoom a couple of times. Then we zoomed out a couple of times. But God knows that you get more out of fellowship in the house of God than you do sitting at your house with a cup of coffee, sitting around in your underwear, trying to listen to preaching. Then don't tell me you didn't. Because I preach it in my underwear. Then <laughs> right here on up. Amen. You get more out of fellowship when you come to the house of God. And God knows that. That's why God loves the local church because He knows you have the fellowship that you need in your life. And the devil knows it too. Why do you think he tries to keep hindering you on Sunday morning when you get up? You try to make your mind up whether you come to church or not. Amen? Well, if you're trying to make your mind up, guess what the devil knows? I'll just throw this at them and they won't come to church. I'll just throw this in front of them. They just get sidetracked. The devil wants to hinder you from getting in church, having fellowship, that you can get fed with the Word of God, that you're making another day in this world. Because he can keep you out of the church long enough. I, I've had people tell me, ever since they opened the doors back up, people do not, still do not come to church. They're afraid. I said, what are they afraid of? Well, it's afraid of the virus. You better have faith, buddy. You think this virus is something? There's some boy stuff coming down that's going to make this virus look little. Let's go back to the virus. Let's get back to that virus. I'll, I'll live through that. But they're afraid, and what they're doing, they're not getting filled up on the Word of God, the fellowship of God, the Bible not getting filled up. They're getting filled up on all the things of this world. And the devil knows he's got him. The devil knows he's got him. His life was mapped out. He did not know it. God gave him some food. Gave him the strength to go for 40 days and 40 nights. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. You say, well, I don't know how that's going to bring joy in my life. You need to receive a confrontational message a message that confronts you two times God tells Elijah look at verse number 9 he came to a cave he's lodged there he's there and then 
Behold, the word of God, the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here? God said, I mapped your life out. I got your life mapped out. Why, why are you in this cave? Elijah, this is not where I called you to be. I have a journey for you, and this ain't it. Where you at ain't the journey. You ever thought that you're in the wrong place? I kept asking myself, Lord, is this where I need to be at? Lord, is this where I need to be at? And you know, I, when I got saved, I thought I was going to hear this big thundering voice. Yeah, you are saved. When I got called, I was thinking, you're going to No. I'm still waiting on that. But I said, Lord, is this where I need to be at? Is this where you want me at? And I find that God don't always say, yes, that's where I want you at. I find sometimes that when he don't answer is a yes. Why do you keep questioning where I've, in fact, he's never come and told me, why are you here? I didn't send you here. He's never told me that. And he said, Elijah, why are you here in this cave? This is not where I had. And he says it again in verse number 13. What doest thou here, Elijah? Do you know how to keep joy in your journey when God challenges you and comes to you and says, what are you doing here? You're not in the place that you're supposed to be. You're not doing what I've told you to do. Why are you here? You're not as close to me as you should be. You're not walking me like you should be. When God's through preaching, He confronts you with a message. You know how to keep joy? Don't do like the modern day Christians today. They hear some straight preaching right up to where they're at. <laughs> a preacher preached them right where they're at. Modern day Christians don't like that today. I ain't going back there. That preacher shouldn't have said what he said about me. He's he preaching, I don't like that. That's what we don't. We don't, we don't like that confrontal preaching we don't like to be confronted with the preaching of the word of God we don't like to be say look God says look, I'm going to get right where you at and I'm going to preach to you until you get it right God said Elijah what are you doing in this cave that's not where I sent you and he come to him again Elijah what are you doing here right in his face right where he's at the reason why a lot of people get up and walk out of church because God got right to where they were at how they were living, how they were talking, and what they were doing in the world. Got right where they're at and said, hey, what are you here? What, what are you doing here? This is not where I sent you. This is not where you're supposed to be. You're not walking close to me anymore. You're not serving me like you anymore. We don't like it right in our face. We don't like it right where we live at. Confrontal preaching. If you're like that, you just don't like it, you'll never have joy in your journey. You want to know how to have joy in your journey when preaching starts and it punches you in the heart. Don't run to the door and says, I ain't coming back. Run to the altars. Lord, here I am. Uh, you, you, you got my attention. 
Something ain't right, but uh, you know what it needs to be done, and go ahead and do it and get it over with me. Help me, Lord, get right today. Amen. Get right. The problem is we're living in a day where nobody wants to receive that in-your-face preaching. We want the message to make us feel good about what we're doing, but we don't want the message to feel, make us feel like God is confronting me in the place that I am, the sin that I'm living in, the things that I'm doing. I'm not as close to Him. I'm not serving Him. I'm not walking Him. I don't want somebody to tell me that. God is telling you that, not me. He confronts you right in the place where you're at. He said, you're not supposed to be here. You know how to keep joy in your life every time God confronts you? Your response correctly is, we need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the voice behind. Listen, listen, don't, don't, don't listen to me. Don't, when I preach, don't listen to me. As you know, I don't have good speech. I'm a country boy. In fact, the school I got, got out of is no longer there. It produced too many people that weren't too smart. Lost their charter. No longer there no more. Don't, don't listen to me. But if you want to have joy, stop listening to me and start listening to the voice that's behind me. Start listening to the voice that's behind me. And he'll get your attention. He'll get you in the right path. He'll, he'll direct thy path. At confrontal uh, uh, preaching this right in our face. The right response is, Lord, here I am. I, I know I messed up. I know I messed up. Help me to get right, Lord. I, I drifted away from him. I'm not as, I'm not as, I'm not as of a Christian that I think I am. No amens on that one. I'm not as faithful as I think I am. Amen. In fact, you want to hear about faithful tonight, you come back tonight, you'll hear some faithfulness. Lord, I, I, I think I'm right, but your, your preaching is getting right in the face where I'm at, to, and you're trying to tell me something, you're trying to tell me I'm not where I should be at. I don't want that. I'll just walk out, and I'll deal with it all week long, and I'll come back next week, and God's right back in your face. When are you going to get it? God said, hey, you come to the altar. I'll get you in the right direction. I'll put you in the right path. And you're going to have joy. You know, I, I don't find joy in fighting God. And the reason why I say that is because I'll never win. I'll never win against God. Now, God is going to let me go out and do what I want to do. But there ain't no joy in that. I find joy in serving God, worshiping God, and loving God, walking with God, reading His Word. Because why? Because I have to know because I love to. This course is mapped out. He got a good meal. God got into His face. Last thing, I'm done. There is a conveying of the mantle. Help someone. 
He gets right. He comes out of the caves. He finds Elijah. And he casts the mantle upon him. In the last part of verse 21, and I love this. I love this. God, God said, you know what? You need to get out of the cave because you've got a job to do. <laughs> he said, you need to get out of that cave because there are some people that need me ministered to. You need to come out and get it start ministering. Hazael, Judah, and uh, Elisha. He said, I, I, you need to go and minister to them. Now, I love the last part of verse 21. If, if God, listen, if, if God is directing you to minister to somebody, to help somebody, and that's what we should be doing, we should be helping those that, and, and ministering to them, uh, help leading them to the God, Word of God, helping them to get to church, helping with the Bible, uh, showing what God is doing. We, we need to minister to people like that. You need to get with God. But in the last part of verse 21, he cast a mantle down to Elijah. The Bible said he went out to Elijah and ministered unto him. <laughs> See, Elijah was ministering to Elijah. But when he cast a mantle down, now he's running out to him and says, No, I want to minister to you. The one that was supposed to be doing the ministry now is receiving the ministry. Let me just say this. There's going to be some times in your life uh, and you may minister to people. You may witness to people. You may talk to people. All this thing. But there's going to be some times in your life those that you minister might come back and minister to you in your later years. Now, I said that to say this. Let me, let me give you to this. I want to be as plain as I possibly can be. If I'm out ministering to people, there may come a time in my life that I need to be ministered to. But if I have never ministered to anyone, who's going to come and minister to me? Who? Not only did you fail God, you failed the ones He told you to go minister to, and you failed yourself because you ain't got nobody to minister to you. Elijah had given up, ready to quit, throwing the towel. God gets him out of the caves as you go minister what really helped him and gave him joy in the journey get this I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm done I'm done what really helped him to joy, get joy in his journey is when he lost the vision of himself and start looking at others you, you know everybody knows what the acronym of joy is Hey, man, you don't. Acronym of joy. Jesus, others, and yourself. You put Jesus first and others before you, God's going to give you joy. That's joy. That's how you get your joy. Problem is, we don't got joy. We got yuck. What's yuck? Yourself, others, and maybe Jesus. See, we... we you cannot have joy focusing in on self. 
got to be ministering to somebody. Jesus, others, and yourself. And I find that if you focus on Jesus and you focus on others, God's going to give you all that you need. He'll give you the blessings. He'll give you the joy. Because you're focusing on the right things in life. When he lost self, when he, when he lost the vision of himself, then he got the joy that he needed to see him to the very end. I don't know about you this morning. I don't know where you're standing at with this morning. I don't even know if God has even spoke to your heart this morning with something. But I can tell you, every one of us need to get closer to God right now. We, we can say, Lord, I, I'll wait till next week, I'll wait till later, but you know what? I find that those times never come. You need to do it when he says, day is a day of salvation, not another. There may not be another time. You want joy in your journey? Just ask God to fill you. Ask God to fill you.